Yes, let's get into it. Consistency, consistency is the key to success. My name is Anna K. Hutchinson, and you're listening to For Change People. Let's chat, let's laugh, because it's your time to start choosing you. You're listening to For Change Be Bold podcast. I am your host, Danike Hutchinson, and today I am joined by our guest, Sam. How are you doing today, Sam? Uh, doing really well. And, uh, you know, up here in Vancouver, Canada, uh, doing really well and uh, things are going good. Nice. And it's sunny over there and it's it sunny here in Vegas. It's really nice. I am enjoying the weather that we're having. So today we have Sam who is joining us and we're going to be talking about branding. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be talking about how we can, you know, own our brand. So can you share a little bit about yourself? Um, tell us about, you know, your background, share more about you. Sure. The easiest way for me to describe it, it ties in beautifully with when you talk about branding. There are five things that make up my foundation. Mm -hmm. Servant leadership, story sharing, activator igniter, champion enabler, and community do-gooder. Those are five things that have become solidly active in my life. And the way I describe it is it then allows me to then be an active participant and to support the work and helping other people with their personal brand. So I'm a storyteller, speaker, entrepreneur, uh, educator, mentor and coach, problem solver, community activator. But all of those things surround those five things that I just shared that just provide so much clarity. So when an opportunity emerges, I know what I want to do. Yeah. You already have your, your goals aligned. And so you know exactly what is going to reap the benefits for you because you have them aligned. Yeah. Yes. And um, you were a TED Talk speaker. Um, How was that experience for you? So I've done two TEDx's. Uh, Mm -hmm. The first one was on personal storytelling. In other words, discovered the extraordinary in the ordinary. And the second TEDx that I got to do was about how do you activate the voice within to be louder than the noise around you? And it was an amazing experience because you got to share on stage and normally when I do my, my speaking engagements, yeah. I never rehearse. I never prepare. I just get up there and I talk. But here it was more like a bit of an unnerving piece because you're like, what if something goes wrong exactly. while I'm up there? Yes. And one thing did actually go wrong in one of my TEDx's, but I made lighthearted of it. And it just people, people actually thought it was part of what I was talking about. It was a quick recovery. Mm-hmm. But really, if you wanted to do a TEDx speech, uh, in fact, I was just sharing with this with someone else, you really have to have an overarching theme and maybe three key deliverables that you want to give the audience. That's a good formula. You bounce back real quick. You're like, I got this. It happens to the person who has been doing public speaking for 10, 20, 15 years. You know, I mean, it happens to all of us, but it's all about how we can, you know, Mm -hmm. not turn the attention directly onto us or what just happened and how you can just use that Mm -hmm. e-cup or that arrow in that moment to like, you know, make a point or, you know. Start back to the conversation. Then. Um, so your goal is to engage individuals 
with their inner and personal and also professional development. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been one of the best feelings that you have taken away over the years working and coaching um, mm-hmm. men and women? Like, what is one thing that you have like, I'm genuinely proud of this moment because it has, yeah. you know, yeah. It's, it's the ability that I've been able to establish. I've had about 5,000 conversations to date. I, I still do three to eight of these conversations per week. And for me, the biggest highlight is learning about people and then seeing them expand and grow and to go in a direction that is truly meant to be tailored to them and that they're not just doing what you know, makes common sense. And I'm not saying don't do things that don't make common sense, but it's not, it, the way I describe it is go and find and tailor your pathway. And my job is to be a supporter, a champion enabler. And that to me is the most rewarding thing. When you hear from someone who said, you know, you were on my journey And I always say that success belongs to you. It's not for me. You earn the success. I'm just here to guide and support. And to me, that's the most uh, accomplished, rewarding piece. I equate it to, you know, when you watch the Olympic Games, the Winter Olympic Games, and you see the ice hockey game, the coach never receives a gold medal. But what you see is the players storm off the bench and the coach is behind the bench, arms folded with this magnificent grin on his face going like, yeah, we just accomplished greatness. That's what my life revolves around is watching greatness form around me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. I like to be in the background. I like mm-hmm. to step away from it. I will plan everything, but when the moment comes for someone to, you know, mm-hmm. get their praise, I'll let you take it. I don't like to be in the forefront. Uh, I'll stay at the back. We'll do the work at the back. We'll go up and, you know, you know, get the prize. (laughs) You earned it. You earned it. Then you go get your prize. Exactly. Exactly. You put in the work. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's one thing, you know, a lot of people, they feel, hey, Mm -hmm. you put in the work. You did the work. You put in the time. And now you're reaping everything that you have sold, everything that you have put into it. It's your time to shine. It's your time to, you know, get the prize, as you said, and go for it. Let's get in some rapid questions. Are you ready for this one? Okay. What's your least favorite beverage? And actually, I may upset a lot of your viewers. It's coffee. I just, I can count, I can count how many coffees I've had in my life on one hand. Yeah, it's. You won't upset me because I'm, I agree. I don't like coffee too. I proved that on Monday I had coffee um, and I had the worst like heartburn mm. the entire time. And I was like, yep, prove my point. <laughs> yep. So <laughs> my point. Yes. So you won't upset me, but I mean, you might upset a few people. <laughs> yes. I'm a tea drinker and a tea granny, if you want to call me that, but uh, I celebrate my teas. Yeah. If you were stranded on a tropical island and you were only allowed to take two things, two items, what would be those two items? Yeah. And I I pondered this question and I thought to myself, there's not going to be electricity on this island. So unless we're making assumptions, but if there's no electricity, my handy typewriter and my glasses, 
because uh, then I'll just take the time to reflect and do more writing. Nice. Awesome. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I would take. Mm, let's mm -hmm. see. I don't know. <laughs> Did not ponder over that question. <laughs> um, if you could live anywhere, anywhere mm -hmm. in the world, if you could pick a place right now, where would you go? So I have to say Vancouver is so beautiful. And it's not a cop-out answer, but this is why I've spent most of my life here. Like, mm -hmm. I'm living where three blocks away from the wilderness, five minutes to the waterfront, 10 minutes I'm in the heart of downtown Vancouver. And you can ski in the, in the morning, you can golf in the afternoon, like everything is there. Yeah. Now, if I have to pick a place outside, uh, originally I was born in England, but I left when I was a wee lad. Ooh. And I did my master's in England. Um, I think I would love to go back and just live in the countryside in England. But would you go like to Wales? Because I know that's the countryside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. Wales is a beautiful place. Uh, mm -hmm. There's all these different parts within uh, the main part of England, even mm -hmm. Ireland, mm -hmm. but just somewhere where it's nice, peaceful, and you know, you've got a nice little community happening. It's a beautiful place. I've been to Wales, Scotland, Ireland, uh, England, all mm -hmm. throughout. Uh, just uh, growing, I mean, sorry, being born there, I've been back mm -hmm. about 20 times. Oh, uh, nice. Still have lots of friends and family there. So yeah. I've, I've made my different travels all around. One of my favorite cities is Cambridge. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful college town with canals mm -hmm. and just this old architecture and building. And, you know, just uh, it, it's got such an excellent vibe to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's on my bucket list to go mm -hmm. visit. So we are going to dive into personal branding. As I said sure. before, we're talking about, you know, branding. Mm -hmm. um, it's very important that we have um, an idea of what we are doing and or yep. brand. Um, so should an individual focus on becoming more successful mm -hmm. or skilled or should they then start? So should they become mm -hmm. more successful, skilled, and then start to mm -hmm. focus on their branding? Which Yeah, I think you need to focus on building your roots, uh, mm -hmm. a stable root system. In other words, don't pursue something just because you think it's going to lead to success. Yeah. I think you honestly have to say, does this really resonate within me? Mm -hmm. Is it something that just, I want to do this? And as a result of it, naturally, you're going to be really great at it because this just becomes natural for you. And as a result of that, I think that then as it will just lead to people recognizing and acknowledging that you're really great at this and they gravitate towards you because of the fact that it's authentic and natural to you. Yep. They, they realize that you know what you're talking about, you know your mm -hmm. stuff and they'll want to work with you. So, well, and just if I may add to that and as well, like for example, the mentorship and coaching that I do, mm -hmm. I don't reach out to individuals. They come to me based on what they've heard or just the fact that they've sort of had an indication or they've seen something that I've posted and that, and because that's something that I do naturally. And then it just gravitates towards you. So it resonates with them and they're like, Hey, mm -hmm. this is mm -hmm. what I want. Um, what would you tell an, uh, an entrepreneur, like mm -hmm. what would be a focus point for them mm -hmm. as they start building their brand? What would be yeah. like that main focus point for them? Yeah. I mean, I think there has to be this alignment of, you know, you want to build a business, 
but you have to build yourself at the same time. You are the business and the business is you as well. I think that they are interchangeable and never distinguish them as two separate entities. Uh, what I would also suggest is there's this wonderful uh, program called Business Model Canvas. Somebody who's just starting out and not sure if this is a really good idea or you know, what this is, Business Model Canvas, for any of your audience members that have never heard about it, is it's nine components that gets you to start thinking. And what you do is you either you know, do it on the floor or a blank wall with post-it notes or cue cards. And there are nine aspects to, if you wanted to vision a business, in other words, who are your key partners? Yes. What do you need? What about your key activities? What do, what do you want to do in your business? What about the key resources? What are the assets that you need to make your business run? What's the value proposition? And that's to me is the most critical part. The value proposition is why would I come to you and not someone else? And people miss the mark on that. Your customer segments. In other words, identify the different categories of your customers. What about the customer relationships? How are you going to maintain relationships with your customers? Channels. How do you reach out to them to ensure and stay connected to them? And then costs. Where's the money leaving? Where's the money coming in? But the most important piece about all of this is the value proposition. And I leave that for the very end because as we work, as I work with people, we look at all of the components and all of the cue cards and everything. And then we start talking about, okay, but what is the value proposition? And I'll just give a quick example. I was helping an individual with their business. They, they do design and logos. And we talked about value proposition. I said, but okay, so tell me about the value proposition. And they literally just said, well, I do design and, and logos and things. And I said, okay, but why would I come to you? Yeah. And I said, uh, and she was like, oh. Then we looked at the entire business model canvas. And what we pulled is she is a narrative writer for the individual and the business. And she wants to merge the two together to reflect the person and the business and build something that's tailored to that individual. And I thought, okay, that's a powerful that's statement. A, yeah. 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 If an entrepreneur is just starting out, how can mm -hmm. they make their personal brand stand out if they are not already super successful or well-known? Yeah. So we have the social, we have social media, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, mm -hmm. and we have all of these, you know, internet <laughs> apps mm -hmm. that we utilize on a daily basis. And then when we look on there, we see, a, you know, someone over here or someone over there, you know, how can we stand out even, yeah. even if we're not super successful? You know what? It's it's very noisy out there. And it's interesting because people think, okay, I'm just going to go and open up a Instagram account, a yeah. Facebook page, uh, Twitter, and, you know, all of those tools. Mm -hmm. But part of it is you have to synthesize it all together. Mm -hmm. That's part of it. Equally at the same time is what's the content that you're putting out there that is guided and directed yes. and pushing in a certain direction? Uh, you also have to know what you're good at. What is your superpower and showcase that so that that starts becoming your brand. And it, it really takes time to build this brand. Like in other words, uh, for example, as a writer, you'll see that there's a lot of authors. They're really great at the craft of their books, but I hate to say it. Many of them are terrible marketers and pushing their, their 
Good stuff. They they are. And it's it's more like the way I describe it, especially when I teach my class uh, to students, I said, okay, if you have a corner store and a corner store sells food items, coffee, lottery tickets, hardware, fried chicken, um, all of these things, and you have Starbucks. And let's say it's a beautiful sunny day. And you know what? I just feel like I need a pair of flip-flops. Yes. Now you could go into the corner store because you know what? They may actually have flip-flops. Now, would we go to Starbucks to get flip-flops? And the answer is no, because we know exactly what they do. But then people may argue, but isn't it better to be the corner store? Because you can offer all of these different things to people. But here's the problem. They have no idea what you can offer. People are going to gravitate to the person that they know can provide them the goods. So you really have to articulate and uh, hone in on what's important to you. And what's really, I think, one of the most critical pieces is you have to believe in your idea. You have to believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, nobody's going to believe in you. Yeah. You've got to own your yep. skills, own yep. what you're producing, what you're putting out there. And, you know, as you mentioned about the corner store and Starbucks, you know, we think about Amazon. Mm-hmm. You know, I could walk to the store or I could probably go to the store right now and pick up some stuff. But no, I could sit at home, I could scroll through an app, and I could purchase like whatever I want. Um, so it, it, it's not that we are not aware that we can go to TJ Maxx or we can go to there, you know, that. But it's it's the the mm-hmm. access of we know that it's going to come within a day yeah. or two. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have it right at our doorsteps and we don't have to get in our car. We don't have to drive to a store. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So indeed, branding is, is, is very important. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. So what are some tips for, uh, to write a killer mm-hmm. content? Cause I know mm-hmm. with Brandon, we have to also write a content that, you know, stands out and, you know, put us at the forefront so that someone could say, Hey, look, this is, this is this person or, you know, yeah. so what are some tips that you could give for us as yeah. we write our contents? Yeah, and it, it, it really is about being um, reflective and introspective. Uh, you have to know yourself. Yeah. Uh, like, again, what matters to you? This is where the content connects you. Uh, if I was to write about stuff that I was superficial about or not really interested in, I'm not going to get that same traction. Uh, it's actually really funny because even um, I'm co-authoring a children's book with somebody today, or, uh, and we had a conversation today, mm-hmm. and she's doing a course. And, you know, this is where, you know, just I was reading through her course content, and it just said, write a one-page story about socks. Well, do you know what? I sat there, and within half an hour, I just let it flow. And I had a whole story about socks Mm -hmm. and uh, it was a funny story. And when I shared it with her, she was like, Oh my gosh, it's brilliant. Like we might even have another book as a result of this. So part of this is know yourself and what really matters to you. For me, it was about, it wasn't so much about writing about socks, but it was about creating this emotional connection and content that, sparked interest. And this is what I, I try to write about. So we we need to build content that really aligns to what we are. Like if I was to write about 
leadership or personal branding, storytelling, like that just flows. Yes. However, if I was to write about the technology sector, I can't do it. I, it's, it's almost like when I'm asked to speak at a conference and they give me a script, I have to actually pull out. I don't do scripts. Mm -hmm. But if they say, you know, we want you to talk about how do we do communications, like uh, uh, communication content. Now, as long as you're not telling me what to say and do, yes, now, tell me what the key messaging is or some of the key points you want me to cover off, but let me just get up there and do it. Uh, for example, I had to speak at a conference in Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. I built the content in the airport on the way there. And I got up and I delivered it. They wanted one hour. I gave them almost exactly one hour, but I did it unrehearsed. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's all about knowing your content, knowing your material. For me, it's like when I do something like that, I have images on my PowerPoints and I just look at the image. I know exactly what I want to share and the stories I want to bring up. And again, one of the critical things about writing killer content is the fact that we are storytellers. And instead of just delivering data, facts, and, and those, how do you blend in a story? Because a story is what's going to capture the attention of the person. Yeah. Yep. Storytellers is just like when we have our kids mm -hmm. and we have to tell them a story or yep. make up a bedtime story. <laughs> when I teach my classes, there's so many stories that I embed in there. And mm -hmm. I even help people with their storytelling ability and capacity. And I'll give them exercises and things on storytelling, but mm -hmm. storytelling is such a powerful tool because it's who you are and it's, you don't have to memorize a story. You're just telling something that has happened. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the different content styles mm -hmm. that you have tried or experimented mm -hmm. on and what have worked for you so far? Right. I, I mean, I'm a blogger. I've got about 170 blog posts. Mm -hmm. And I was even just looking earlier today. And in one week, I've already had 255 views, but I haven't posted anything for about a month. Mm -hmm. So just making sure that the content has a high SEO rating. Uh, and just when I write content, it comes from a, a very authentic, natural place. But I also, uh, apart from blogging, I'm a, I'm a writer, so it's just I'll, I'll think about something and I'll write uh, and then not sure where it's going to go. I, you know, for example, wrote a book about my journey to India to find my ancestral roots with a faded photograph, nothing else. And at the same time, it was about finding my own identity. So I'm a, I'm a writer at heart. But the interesting thing about that is seven years ago, I was not a writer. Yeah. And it just impacted me. But I also find that there's the ability, and I have those short, poignant content like Twitter and uh, using, uh, you know, doing LinkedIn articles. It, again, it all relates to storytelling. Mm -hmm. The challenge, though, is how do you gain the traction? How do you make it so that people uh, are tapping in and saying, okay, this is something I need to read? And again, it goes back to, let's say, in LinkedIn, if you want to write an article, it can be very frustrating because you want people to read what you've just written because you think it's really helpful, but you might get maybe five or 10 people that like it or review it mm -hmm. uh, and that's it. But part of it is, are you giving them content that helps them? So oftentimes, again, uh, uh, it goes back to that uh, you know, TEDx speech. What's um, something you wanna talk about? 
and give them three, four, five key takeaways. And then people are willing to pass it on to other people and read. Yep. And your delivery too. I mean, you can always put out something there, but it's, you know, as we we talked about, you know, how is it that you're going to bring this across? Who's your audience? Who's, who are Mm -hmm. you targeting? You know, who are the individuals, the persons that you Mm -hmm. want to read it? Because, you know, like putting something out there. Yeah. We can put it out there. I can put anything out there, Yeah, but it's who I am trying to target. Who is it that I want yeah. to look at this, read it, and yeah. then use it. So that- And the in- interesting thing about that, though, and it's, it's almost like that applies to a lot of the things that I do is, you know, mm-hmm. writing for this audience. But I'm writing for myself, and the audience materializes. Because when I wrote my first book on storytelling, mm-hmm. what I found is when I was trying to write for an audience, it was so hard for me to write the book. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I put the audience aside, and I just said, but what do I want to share? the words began to flow. And that happened on my second book. So I think that on the one hand, you you have to be aware of that audience that's there, but you really have to write for yourself. And then the audience gravitates towards it because it is very authentic. And I think the way that I describe it is, think of it as um, the way that I do this is, think of two people facing each other and there's a campfire. One person is telling a story, the other person's listening. Yeah. Now, there's a circle of people around them. There's a, maybe three rows of people cross-legged listening very intently. And behind them are rows and rows of people that are just chiming in, listening to what's being said. But they walk away and maybe more people come in, more people leave. That's how I create my content because the two people in the center is me. It's me. I'm telling myself a story and I'm listening to that story. And the people that are around me, those three people, uh, three rows of people cross-legged are the people that when I put something out, they're like, okay, I got to read this. This is something that it's worth worth listening to. And they may share it. They may not. But I think that's the visual way that I can describe my writing. And that's good because that's what we want. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I learned um, a while back, find mm-hmm. five people mm-hmm. who can help grow it, uh, yeah. help grow your business. And it's just finding those five people who are on the same goal, the same mission as you are, and they're willing to find five other people. And then mm-hmm. those five people are finding other people. And it's the same way if you think about it, you know, you want, mm-hmm. as you said, the two persons in the middle are you. The other three around you, you just want to keep those three persons sharing, you know, and then their friends share. And there you go. You start building and, you know, spreading your message out there and spreading your content to other people so that they can see what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, and and the people activate for you. I've got uh, exactly. uh, with the book about my journey to India to find my ancestral roots. Mm-hmm. There are people who are like, you know what, this would actually make a, a, a screenplay. Mm-hmm. Let's think about who we can reach out to mm-hmm. and potentially who knows, maybe this could become a screenplay. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. That, that is definitely something that could happen. <laughs> How can I activate my mm-hmm. voice to become louder than the noise? I know that was one of your TEDx um, Yeah topics. So yeah. how is it that I can become louder than the noise that's around me? Yeah. And I would say that there's a lot of people around you telling you what to do. Yeah. And it's interesting because one of the things that I share a lot is our lives are focused around the word, what, what do you do or what are you wanting to do? 
What you need to do is repurpose that to who and start realizing who are you. Only by realizing who you are can you then have the confidence to move forward to the what you want to do. Mm -hmm. The way that, you know, there's a lot of noise around it. And I think, you know, you have to respect the people around you. You don't ignore them. You can hear them, but you don't have to listen to them. Give them the time and let them, you know, say what they need to say. You should be a lawyer. You should be a doctor. You should be an accountant. Even though that doesn't resonate, you're like, okay, let me look into that. But what you really need around you are what I call champions and enablers. In other words, the people who are not going to tell you what to do, they're going to say, okay, what's important to you? And when you say, okay, this is important to me, they're like, okay, let me see if I can connect you to this person, or let's explore this area in greater detail and see if this does resonate. So the champions and enablers are really important. Now, since I coach three to eight people a week, and many of them are the age of 15 to 40 year olds who many of them are lost Mm -hmm. and we start focusing on who they are and uh, let's get the voice within louder than the noise around It's actually really interesting because when we have these conversations, it starts to resonate for them that this isn't the authentic pathway that I'm on. I need to refocus. Mm -hmm. And this actually makes sense. And, you know, this is where being a champion enabler, I always say that people come to me because they see me as a orange saffron bearded man on top of the mountain, a monk who's going to tell you the answers to life. Yeah. Now, I'm a difficult monk because you come to me looking for those answers. I'm going to keep asking you questions because the monk you're looking for lies within you. Mm -hmm. My job is to ask you questions so that that monk within you comes out. out. Yep. Yep. It's not enabling. (laughs) It's getting you to work. (laughs) Yes. That's what happened to, you know, many times we find someone who is the Mm -hmm. enabler. So that person who's like, okay, all right. So this is what you're going to do. And this is what you're going to do. And then we're like, oh, she's, you know, they're giving us the answer. Or they're giving us yep. what we need. But are mm-hmm. we really getting what we need? Yeah, no, we're exactly. Not. No. Because that's what they're telling us. We're not trying to figure it out on our own mm-hmm. to see what is it that we really want. Yeah. So. That's yeah. And what. that's where I say the champion enabler, because the champion yeah. is, tell me, let's work on what's important to you and who you are. And once we have that, then I'm going to start connecting you to the right people in the right areas or, you know, getting the right conversations happening. So working through that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you have some practical tools on how Mm -hmm. I can, or anyone listening can realize, you know, their purpose? What is their purpose? What is their true purpose? Right. Do you have any tools? Yeah, no, and I love the word purpose that you use because I think we throw around the word passion a lot. Find your passion, you'll always be happy. Mm-hmm. Passion cannot be sustained. Yeah. Passion is an igniter to your purpose. Now, how do we find our purpose? It goes back to what I call the five core elements. What are the five things that make up your foundation? What is the five things that uh, make up your life and career? Not your career, but life and career. So that's where I shared in the very beginning, uh, my five are servant leadership, story sharing, activator, igniter, champion, enabler, community, do-gooder. What this does is it provides you a base to work from. Mm -hmm. In other words, now 
any opportunities that emerge, I compare it to those five core elements. Yes. Now, if people are saying, okay, that's great, but how do I come up with five? There's few things that I always say uh, that are really important. Number one, uh, people are afraid. What if I pick the wrong words? I'm like, there are no wrong words, but as you pick these words, they're going to change over time. You're not stuck with them for the rest of your life. So let's get that out of the way. Uh, the second thing that's really important is how I come up with these words. And what I always say is, ask yourself, and this is where the reflection and introspection comes in. Tell me about the jobs you've done in the past. What did you like about those jobs? What did you not like about the jobs? What about when you were in school? What subjects did you resonate towards and gravitate towards? What are the subjects you didn't like? But ask yourself why I liked it or didn't like it. What do you do on your social time? And why do you do that? Yes. And you'll find that these words start to emerge. And it's interesting because when I start working with people, oftentimes they'll say, one of the words I'm not willing to compromise is family. And I said, okay, so let's take the word family. Why is that important to you? And then they say, because it allows me to have a, a sense and feeling of connection Yes. and relationships. And I said, okay, so let's take the word family and let's insert connections and, and relationships because that's a bit more broader that can apply. Now, does this apply to your work and your personal life? And they're like, absolutely. So I said, perfect. Here's your first point. Yes. So it's about reflections and about connections. Now let's build off of that and let's find other things. The reason I say this is important is you know, we have goals. We, we have these goals. Now, I'm here to say, I don't have goals. And people look at me going like, oh my gosh, you're aimless. I'm like, I'm not aimless. I have intentions. I personally, this is for me, it doesn't mean if people have goals, they're wrong. But here's another way to look at it. Goals are very absolute. In other words, we've got a linear pathway on what we call our goals. But what if an opportunity emerges that doesn't line up with our goals? Do we give up the opportunity or the goals? It's very absolute. Instead, when an opportunity emerges, I compare it to the five things that make up my foundation. And then I know whether I should do it. And writing is a key example. Like yes. writing was never a goal of mine and I wouldn't be a writer today, but it hit five out of five. I have to do it. So the five core elements is such a critical piece because it helps you to understand who you are, and then you can start focusing on where you're going. And even if you do it now, look at the job you're doing now. Does it hit two out of five, three out of five, four, maybe five? Yes. But if it hits two out of five, what's missing? And can you build it in? But it gives you a base to work from. Yes. Mm -hmm. That is some powerful um, information right there. I'm just sitting here like taking it in and I'm like, yes, that is in fact true. Mm -hmm. You know, my purpose, you know, it, it's your intention, as you said about the goals, you know, mm -hmm. um, the intentions that I'm trying to reach, achieve. Mm -hmm. And um, you can say goals or intentions, as mm -hmm. you explain, it's, it's, it's pretty much the same, you know, because mm -hmm. I have the intention Mm -hmm. of achieving, mm -hmm. you know, in the next five years, 10 years, this mm -hmm. particular um, um, idea, 
you know, and I'm going to invest in it, you know, I'm going to work towards it. And so you're going to, you know, push towards it, but you have to figure out what that purpose is. Like, what is your mm-hmm. purpose? Exactly. You know? Yeah, you have to, you know, understand it before you can go ahead to achieving those. So, yes. And we're up to our last question for um, this talk. Um, how can I build and tell my story? Um, I think many times this is what our issue is, is the story, you know, like we want to have this story that is, you know, when people look at us, they're like, oh, my God. Amazing. And if we don't have that story, then we feel intimidated by other people. And we feel like, oh, I don't have a story. Or we yeah. shy away from the fact that we can actually tell someone our story, but we yeah. don't want to yeah. do that. So yeah. how can we do that? Great. So the first book I wrote, which was about storytelling, I wrote a piece in there in the beginning that said, what's the last story you read? What's the last story you told? But what's the last story you lived? In other words, we're living stories. And the way that I capture this and my stories, and I share this with people, is this concept of carpe. So carpe diem is seize the day, but carpe is how I build my stories. Carpe, so the C stands for curiosity. In other words, I go through life with a very curious nature, and I'll stop and look at things and start thinking about them. So curiosity stops me. The A stands for appreciation. In other words, I appreciate things for more than what they are. And this is why in my my first TEDx speech on storytelling, I talk about a doorstop where, you know, we see a doorstop and we just walk by. We don't put two. No, no. I saw a doorstop as something much more because I started appreciating it for more than what it was. And then I reflected on, I'm standing there looking at this doorstop, but I'm reflecting on, but what does this mean? Yeah. And then we have perspectives, which is the P. We all have different perspectives. And a doorstop means something unique to me. And the last piece is experience, which means if we don't capture the essence of this story, yeah. your story dies an untimely death. It will never be told because you haven't cataloged it as an experience. So like a doorstop, I mean, like I said, it's holding a door open. Mm-hmm. So curiosity stopped me. I appreciated it for more than what it was. And I was like, it's holding the door open for me. But as I reflected, I said, but what about the people in our lives that hold the door for us, that allows us to go through these doors and provides us the opportunities? And then I started thinking about perspectives of, you know, the people that have done this for me or the opportunities that are lying there. But then I captured that as a story about how a doorstop reflects uh, how people in our lives are are like doorstops for us and they hold the door open for us. That's a simple example of how you can build a story and find the extraordinary out of something that's ordinary. That is, in fact, really something to think about with a doorstop. I, I mean, when you kept saying doorstop, I, in my head, I was thinking, okay, it could be the fact that the door is open for us. But in fact, is sometimes our friends or families, you know, or workplace, you know, maybe you're working a nine to five job right now and you're trying to transition into your own company. Mm-hmm. That is the doorstop. Mm-hmm. It's building you up for your own business, for your own success. So it's giving you the skills and the tools that you need. So, I mean, you know, each, as you know, storytelling is in fact what we go through. 
every day <laughs> every day yeah. we are building our story we are you know elevating mm-hmm. on our stories and every journey every disappointment every trials and i always say you know you learn from the failures you learn from the trials mm-hmm. you learn from the disappointments because it's another stepping stone for each and every one of us you know well and my and and my favorite one of my favorite quotes besides the one about autobiography obstacles are the necessary bricks on a road to success do not fear the obstacles embrace them and learn from them but they are necessary bricks on your road to your success yes yes indeed and that's the best way to end this podcast today (laughs) so i mean it was such a great enlightenment um i actually i took so much away from it um i think one thing that i know for a fact that i am going to ponder about or you know keep thinking about is a fact that each day we are telling our story we're living our story and um, don't be intimidated by other people and their success and their story. Nope. Um, keep pushing towards your story because you're going to get there. Do you have mm-hmm. any final words that you want to share yeah. um, to us? Well, and the last thing I want to leave with is uh, exactly the quote that I live by, which is everyone's life is an autobiography. Make yours worth reading. It's a challenge to people to say that, It doesn't matter who you are, we are living stories. And if it's important to you, it's something that we need to share or you need to share it. And don't hold back, don't be afraid, but you are a story that's a living story, but your autobiography is worth sharing. Nice. Thank you so much for being a part of For Change Be Bold podcast. Um, But before you go, we have to get your social media sites, your website. Um, So share with us how we can get in contact with you. If there's anyone listening right now that might need your services, where can they find you? Sure. Uh, I mean, you can always go to my website. So it's www.sam-theara.com. And I'm sure you'll post it somewhere. But LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, I'm on all of those social channels, you can always uh, tap in to get quotes and uh, thoughts and ideas. My my website, all of the blog posts are free. So you can actually have all this content for free. But uh, yeah, no, LinkedIn is a way to connect and just uh, drop me a personal message just to say, look, I, I heard you on this podcast. And, uh, you know, but you can reach out. Yes. So definitely do that. And I'm so thankful to you know i'm so happy that you joined the podcast Uh, thank you so much and uh, all the best to your listeners go for it now because the future is promised to no one you have just listened to a weekly episode of for change be bold podcast you can keep the conversation going by following us on our instagram page and our facebook page at for change be bold podcast And until next week, have a wonderful Friday.